Hello, and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Today, we bring you the next installment of Future Focus, our series centered on those individuals who are making a difference in the serving profession. Your host is Executive Director Kurt Sumner, and his guest today is Chris Jepson, a licensed surveyor in Washington State. He recently sat down with Kurt to discuss the challenges of being the son of a surveyor and making the transition from entry level all the way to running a surveying department. Chris shares how his enthusiasm for surveying has pushed him to create more mentoring opportunities for his staff and helping future practitioners find their niche. Let's sit back and listen to the conversation on this Future Focus episode of Surveyor Says. So welcome everyone to Surveyor Says, the NSPS podcast series, uh, something we're trying to do on a regular basis and have been very pleased with the results so far in terms of people listening and uh, having comments about what we're doing. And, and the really cool part is we get people interested in being part of the podcast that we might not have reached otherwise. And that's such an important issue for NSPS in particular, but anybody who's in, a, in our, our profession, I think, to have a sense of who we are. And a lot of people look at us as though we're just those old guys, and that's not true and can't, can't be true forever because old guys don't last forever, that's for sure. But with that said, I have a young surveyor with me today, Chris Jepson. I hope I'm pronouncing Jepson correctly, Chris. You did? who is currently the Vice President of Land Surveyors Association of Washington, LSAW. Congratulations. Thank you. Have, did you begin participating in LSAW as soon as you came on board? And I guess maybe we should talk about how you came on board, board first, what your educational background is and, and getting to surveying. Maybe that's a good way to start. Sure. Well, first, thank you for having me on. And, uh, I am a son of a surveyor, so uh, the path was available to me, um, but I, I didn't expect to survey. I went to Western Washington University here in Bellingham, Washington, and played soccer there uh, on the university varsity team, and graduated in June of 2010, which was uh, a recession. So uh, I had a, a degree in humanities and social sciences and a minor in economics, and I thought I was going to do business. Didn't know what business. Business was pretty general. So uh, come to find out, now I am essentially doing business. It's just survey business. Um, but uh, needed a job and started right out uh, – that same weekend after I graduated. And uh, it, there was a lot of public works projects in 2010. That was pretty much the majority of the work being done through the, you know, the stimulus packages and the infrastructure projects uh, that were being undertaken. And so we had a survey crew operating out of Kirkland um, and they did a lot of bidding down south. And so it was quite a quite a shock going from my senior year of college. I was taking two courses, uh, having the time of my life, to uh, pounding the pavement, traveling down to 
you know, Seattle, which is two, three hours away, depending on traffic. And then continuing another couple hours, even farther south to, you know, a Winco project in Lacey, Washington. And uh, those were early mornings and they were long nights and that was really hard. And I was the boss's son. And so I had to make sure that I wasn't, you know, taking advantage of that title. And so I had to work harder than everybody and prove everyone wrong that I wasn't just going to, you know, pack it in after a week or pack it in after a month or even pack it up after a year. Um, and those, those projects were really hard. Uh, the construction sites were loud and dusty and not my favorite. Um, but it was good hard work and uh, mixed in were some of the more uh, enjoyable projects in the woods and um, near the river. And those projects were what kept me coming back. And so I, it really, I've, I've gone through almost every position now from chainman to junior party chief, party chief, chief of parties project surveyor and now survey manager um, and I've my co-workers have changed over time um, some have gone and worked at other companies or worked at the county in 2010 you know there were massive layoffs across the economy and so when I got here a lot of that mentorship potential was removed from the company so my my father ron jepson is 84 years old and he's still working every day down here and so he has mentored many people in his career and i think you know he he does enjoy mentoring me but at the same time you know it's i think it would have been really nice to have other voices in the office besides my father being here to show me this is how we do things here are some of the tips and tricks that we know and we're from that middle generation right mm -hmm. so ron is the early generation and then what i was missing when i first started here was that middle generation of staff and team members who were in their 40s or 50s and could say oh yeah ron did it this way but he's not familiar with our new technology and equipment. And so this is how we do things. And this is the process of doing a short plaid or a lot line adjustment. And so a lot of that, I've had to really just struggle through myself to develop a process for. Um, and, you know, some of my coworkers that were here in 2010 certainly did help me navigate that. But there certainly are a lot of things around here that I've kind of just had to learn the hard way because that sector of mentors was removed from this business in 2010. And I think that was something that was kind of, you know, probably impacted a lot of different industries during any time you have a recession, right? Yeah. There's going to be layoffs. And so, and it's like a bomb goes off. It's like everyone just leaves the office and then, some hires come back and and maybe there's just new hires right and so there there's kind of a hiccup of mentorship in that transition 
where normally you would kind of have a generational, like an even smooth, uh, you know, session, succession of younger people in a company, you know, uh, middle-aged people in a company, older people in a company, and then the people who'd retire. And so that was something that was just an, an additional challenge over the years uh, because of the recession of, you know, 2008, 2010. Yeah. And, you know, that actually brings up another point that I, I don't think I'd actually focused on very much. And that is when you were talking about learning new technologies and all those kind of things. You know, for me, when I came along, my mentors had been working a really long time and we were doing it the way they basically always done it. But with the amazing transformation uh, of equipment and the way we do things, a lot of people who would have typically been mentors in a lot of ways couldn't really be mentors for folks like you because they were as new to it as you were and maybe not as well prepared to adapt to it. So that right. had to add another element to it, I would think. Absolutely. And certainly, you know, you can mentor in a technical way and you can mentor in a, in a principles and practices way. And I would say, you know, I think to your point, yeah, the, you know, younger people coming out of university might have the technical awareness of some of the new technology that the older generation might not have, but the older generation has the principles and, and some of the practices that, that will govern how that technology is being utilized in the survey process. Yeah, that's so, so true. It, As a matter of fact, that, that brings to, to mind something you and I chatted about before we went on air and, and I thought it was a very interesting perspective. And that was how you now in your, in your position, you're, you're looking to hire new people or they're either going to come from school or they maybe work somewhere else, but you get resumes. And I was, I was intrigued and actually, uh, um, I don't know what the right word is. I don't know if encouraged or whatever the case may be, but just the just the way you go about working with people and as they come in with a resume, actually having a conversation with them other than just reading a resume um, about what their motivations are, what drives them. Talk about that a little bit. I think that's such an interesting thing. Yeah, well, we were kind of talking about how, you know, how we find how people find surveying. And for me uh, and you and a lot of people, you know, you just kind of you need a job and someone says, oh, here, you know, uh, come work on this survey crew and you just walk on. Um, it's very approachable that way. And then there are natural reasons why people stay with it. Like I mentioned, you know, the, the adventure component and being outside and the math. And um, there's, there's very strong positive pulls in the profession that way. But then for the people that are going through the education uh, route of surveying, you know, I guess I'm just so fascinated that they're devoting so much time and energy and expense to go, to go through that program when they might not have that experience of actual surveying. And so I'm very interested to know what is it about surveying that pulled you into going to school? for it. Um, I wish I went to school for it. I would, I would love that. And that would help me become a better surveyor. And so I, I think 
that's a great thing that they're getting to do. And I'm, and so I, instead of just getting a resume and, you know, putting it in the back of the drawer, because I'm really not interested in someone just coming here who doesn't want to survey. I want someone who's going to work here who wants to survey. And I would like to know why they want to survey. And if they don't know why they want to survey, then I think it's important that they ask themselves that same question. Did they just go through school, go through the motions, and now they have a degree, and so they're going to just continue to go through the motions and just get a surveying job? Well, I don't want that. I want them to have a purpose, and I want them to enjoy what they're doing, because I think that's extremely important for their own personal success and for the business success. And so it, I do get a lot of just basic resumes that say, hi, my name is John or Jane Doe, and I just graduated and I'm looking for a job. Well, I immediately write back to them and I say, thank you for your interest. Uh, please let me know, you know, uh, tell me, what do you like about surveying? What are your survey interests or goals? Um, and start that conversation early on so that I know if our company is going to be a good fit for them. Maybe they're interested in UAVs, but our business doesn't have a UAV uh, investment yet. Well, either they should go find a company who has that already in place, or maybe that person is the perfect match for us because we want to develop that in our suite of services. So before I just, I know how I feel when I receive that resume and I just know what I would want to receive. And I would want to receive specifics about this is my name. I found your company because of this reason. I would like to work here because of this reason, and I'm interested in doing these things in surveying, um, bathymetry, uh, cadastral, you know, running logging boundaries, or working on the natural enhancement of rivers and streams. You know, what kind of work do you guys do? Um, and hopefully those can align. And if they don't, then hopefully I could recommend them to a business who does that specific work. And so I think that's just a, a really important moment in time and opportunity for me as a person responsible for hiring to get people thinking about that and improving their resume, right? So if it doesn't work out with me, at least maybe I've given them some information to enhance their approach to a business where they want to work and be more specific so that that next person receiving the resume sees that this person has a purpose and goals already in mind before they're going to step through the door and begin, begin their professional career. Yeah, and, and one thing that, that struck me as you were talking about that was what great advice that is for anybody who's going through our educational systems coming into the profession to be thinking about those things as they're looking ahead to, to doing interviews and submitting resumes. Um, because Maybe some people think about that when they come in. I don't know. You know, when they first get out of school and they start putting out resumes and are are they really thinking about? It? So I guess the thing I'm saying here is that's really good advice for those who are who are looking for a job and want to come into surveying. You really need to know why you need to for your own benefit as well as for your employer, of course. And and the other thing that that came to mind as you were saying that was I'm assuming that like other surveying organizations, you probably have people coming on at 
at a technician level that are not college graduates and may not be going further down the road toward licensure. And you, you, you also, I think, would be interested in what their motivations are, you know, because uh, it's not a dead end job, of course, because there's always opportunities. People can find ways to get the things they need, but they're not coming in with that college degree necessarily. So I don't know how those conversations go with those folks. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you don't interview any of those kind of people, but I'm just assuming you do. No, you, I think you're, you know what you're saying there. Um, and so I have hired two graduates from our local tech school. Um, and they still work here today. And then I've also hired two of my friends that I've played soccer with. And so I have friends that I know that are, that come on board and become chainmen and then people from BTC. And it, it is interesting to compare and contrast those two different approaches and for the people who are my friends and they just, you know, we were playing soccer together and now, Hey, they need a job and they're surveying. Um, you know, they would see my photos and so they would see what surveying could be, um, you know, the nice photos. (laughs) And, uh, so that, that interested them. And, you know, I would say, Hey, why don't you come on out and, you know, see if you like it. And they do like it and they keep, they keep, uh, improving at their job but it it's kind of a daily improvement it's an on-the-job improvement and there's a difference between on-the-job improvement and self-study or self-improvement outside the hours of work and i've been pushing more on that recently with my staff and my coworkers, in that for me, I, there was a lot of pressure on me to become licensed so that I could help secure the future of this company. My dad's 84. He's a PLS PE. And, you know, I, I know he likes to travel. And when he travels, it's hard for him to stamp documents. <laughs> and so, you know, it was, I, I just had that pressure to get licensed. And I had a coworker who had, done the LSIT and the PLS exam. And so he and I studied together a lot. And, you know, I put in a lot of time after work to prepare for those exams. And I really enjoyed the studying process because I had a lot of questions and I had a lot of struggles and challenges that, like I mentioned earlier, those mentors weren't really in existence here at this company because they, because of the recession. And so I found some solace in these books because here I would open up the book and start reading and I'm like, there it is. That's, that's the truth. You know, I, and I can apply it tomorrow. And that was so fun for me to be able to see that someone had put it in a book for me to read and process. And that helped me every day, every day that I would read, I felt better about myself as a surveyor and as a person and I could build upon that. And so I just would, I want, I know how good that was for me as a surveyor and I want my coworkers to feel that too, because surveying can be very frustrating. And I ask my team, you know, what, 
what is it specifically about surveying that you find most challenging on a daily basis or in general? And, you know, a lot of the time it's that they aren't clear on how things should be done um, or just the lack of understanding principles, you know, the fundamental principles. And so while I can try and teach those on a daily basis, it's hard to, to slip those in during the daily grind. So the best way is for them to kind of just open up a book themselves and, and, and find those answers for themselves. And so I've been pushing people more to study. And in the slow months, you know, January, February, uh, I had, I had kind of said to the guys, I will pay you 32 hours a week. You know, hopefully most of that's work, but if you have 24 hours and you want to make 32 hours and I don't have any field work for you, I'll pay you to study. And just to try and get them in the habit of opening up a book and, and reading uh, toward their LSIT test. And there was a lot of positive feedback from that and immediate discussion, you know, talking about chaining, uh, coefficients and you know someone had never thought of that before until they opened up the book and I was like yeah we don't really do that but it's really important to know and it's really fun to think about the math that people had to do before they had data collectors and total stations right. and so I think it, at the same time it can enrich the history and your understanding of and uh, respect for those who came before us when you read the books and and kind of develop more of the story. And so I, I've been kind of caught between, am I pushing too much or am I not pushing enough? And I'm, if I am pushing too much, then, and you're not enjoying learning about surveying, then maybe you shouldn't work here and maybe you, sh you shouldn't survey. And then I'm like, well, is it okay? Can someone just be a survey technician and just show up every day and do a good job and go home and not pursue a full professional career yeah i guess they can and but is that who i want to have work here and so those are questions that i have to ask myself about who i want surrounding me and what i want this business to be and those are hard questions to answer um and so i try and find a middle ground you know and i, I just kind of find out where people are and you know gently remind them that I don't have their LSIT application on my desk yet and that it's been another year and that they're eligible for the LSIT and that they're eligible for the PLS exam and that there's a lot of people out there that wish that they were eligible but they aren't because they don't have the time component so I, I that was a roundabout way of answering your question but um, I guess you know the the takeaway is that even if you did go to school or even if you just walked in off the street um, continuing education is so helpful and you can look at it as a, a punishment or you can look at it as a gift. And I love reading survey books. I have, I try and collect as many surveying books as I can because I know that if I read all those surveying books, I'll probably know how to survey. And surveying is extremely hard. And uh, so knowing that I have these books behind me uh, lets me sleep a little bit better at night. 
and uh, so I'll, I'll I'll end it at that. When you have folks coming in that are coming in at the technician level, and you were talking about some people are going to be technicians maybe forever, and and I've and you know in my growing up in the in the industry, the business. Uh, I worked with a lot of folks like that over time and they were perfectly happy. And that's, that's great because they were great at their job. Um, but what came to mind was with all the online education that's available now where people can actually get a degree without going and sitting in a college class ever. Um, I was just curious if any of your folks who hadn't gone through the, the college side already were looking at that in any way. Um, not a formal education online, but absolutely the webinars um, and other video resources that are out there right now. Um, I I don't always have the time myself to do those, but I try and make people aware of those and let them know that if it's directly related to surveying and will improve how you do your job and your understanding that I will compensate you for the time of, of, re, of watching those. Um, and I've had to put that carrot out there because life can be busy and I get it. And people don't always want to put in that time after work hours to do more surveying, you know? Right. So, uh, but it doesn't help me so well to not have people who are aware of and improving themselves with the digital resources available available to us today. Um, and one of my favorite uh, sayings is, uh, it's bad when you train someone and they leave. It's worse if you don't train them and they stay. And, <laughs> Very good and, perspective. <laughs> and, uh, I, cause I had a challenge with that because, you know, you, you hire someone and you teach them everything, you know, and you're afraid that they're going to leave, right. Or you're afraid they're going to go in business for themselves one day. Well, when I found that quote, I was like, yeah, I know you can't just live in fear of teaching someone something and them leaving you like that doesn't make sense. That's not a good model. And I know that, but then when I found that saying, it kind of just really resonated. And I was like, yep, there it is. <laughs> you, you don't want to not train someone and have them stay because that does no one any good. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And it, it's very rewarding when people who have worked with you get to that licensure goal. They reach that goal. Um, and In my time, I've had some 13, 14, 15 people maybe that have worked for me over time who've eventually became licensed. And and they didn't always happen when they were still working with me. But it's kind of like your children. You know, you, you have so much pride in all those people because uh, you feel like, hey, I really did see potential there when this guy came along. And it's very, very uh, pleasing. And, and it, you don't, or for me, I don't feel any real responsibility for them getting where they're getting. I'm just happy that I had them working with me as they were on their way. Um, yeah. And so it's just, just very good. Another thing I want to chat with you a little bit about was from the perspective of looking uh, someone my age and having been in organizations for a really, really long time, um, going on whatever, more than 40 years I've been in an association state or national or whatever. Um, and so it, I'm curious 
in terms of you have ascended within your state association what most people would say at a very early age because most of the time by the time somebody gets to being a vice president of a state society they're probably going to be 50 years old or more or even even older sometimes and why i say that is it's very encouraging because we talked about this a bit before we went on air, there's a big concern in the surveying profession from people in my age group. Is the next, gener next generation going to see that benefit and, and being part of an entity representing your profession? Or is are all of those thoughts changing now just because of everything else that's going on? And, and of course, for people like me, maintaining those organizations, whether it's a chapter or a state society or a national society or whatever the case may be, I think is really important for the profession. Um, so I, I was interested in your thoughts on that. Do, do you have any perspective? Only, like I said, you're a young person who's come in and, and taken, taken hold right away. Um, do you have any feel at all of how your, your cohorts, your fellow surveyors in, in your generation, so to speak, how they really think about associations? Do they see them as valuable? That's a that's a really good question. Um, I'll do my best to answer. Um, I I do think that. I mean, I would say that they need to be made aware of the fact that an association exists in the first place, and so. I think that can start with the existing mentors, right? <clears throat> like you and me and anyone who is hiring a new uh, surveyor, right? So in our companies, I think putting a, a, an awareness to the existence of the association is probably step one. And even in the education system also, Right. So our tech schools or our universities should be making the students aware of the association. And I know a lot of them do Thank because you. we get a lot of we, we get a lot of students at our association meetings. Um, and they're usually looking for a job and then they get the job and some of them will come back to the chapter meetings, but not all of them. Um, and sometimes those chapter meetings can feel a little more like they're geared towards the principals or the owners of the business. Um, but it's really nice when it's a diverse group because it's important for that, that association to, to hear from everyone, right? From all the people in the chapter, uh, from all the owners, from the technicians, from the managers. I mean, the more viewpoints, and opinions you can bring to the table, hopefully the more informed decision-making can be done. And that chapter then can, you know, make decisions and then inform the state association. And so I guess just starting that awareness early is important and then maintaining that connection is important. And I think you do that by, you know, having it be a fun social opportunity and having it add value, uh, social value and uh, educational value. Um, you get more people when there's a presentation or a program at the meeting. Um, so it's important for those chapter leaders to have good 
chapter meetings um, that bring people out. And, uh, you know, I did ask myself, similar to the resume question, right? What is the purpose of the association? You know, I asked myself that three, three years ago. Why do we meet? What, what, are we, what are we trying to accomplish here? And it is, you know, uh, representing our interests as surveyors, making sure those are being heard at chapter level and state level. And then I come to find out regional and national level. Um, and then uh, just continuing education opportunities, right? I think that's a big one because so often we're kind of stuck in our own bubble at work in this company. And I just remember going to a chapter meeting and getting to hear other companies and other surveyors talk about a, a common struggle and how they approach it or just how they talk about surveying. And even your chapter can be a bubble. And I remember being at a board meeting at the state level and hearing people outside my county talk about surveying and their unique challenges and projects that they're working on. And so I think it's, you know, that just continues, right, at every level. Um, and I didn't know that WestFed existed until I was involved on the state board. And then that gave me exposure to NSPS and AAGS and Federation of International Surveyors, FIG, right? So it, it, it's amazing how big the world can get from a chapter level where uh, you think that's the only thing that exists and that is the association to the fact that, oh, okay, yeah, we are a chapter and there's actually a state association. And I think I appreciate the comparison of just politics, right? Or uh, cities and counties and states and nations and how they're made up of the people and these people are hopefully making their voices heard so that the people in leadership can make informed decisions on their behalf. And um, so I, I think people naturally will gravitate to associations because they like to be social. And uh, I think a good example is the social media mm -hmm. collective, right, of surveyors. And for me in 2012, was when I started posting Instagram pictures um, and adding the hashtag survey life. And there was this, <laughs> that was like the early days of surveying and social Instagram or social uh, media. And it's taken off tremendously in those last eight years. And what I appreciated about Instagram and other surveyors was that I got to see other surveyors around the world doing surveying. And I thought that was fascinating to see everyone's beautiful photos from the field. And right there, you had an opportunity to connect with a surveyor in Australia or in Texas or in New York, anywhere in the world. And today, that's a real resource for people. Uh, you are probably aware of geospatially opinionated Kenny and he makes great videos and they're extremely informative and these people are just at your fingertips and you could write them and you could ask them questions and there's also 
you know, Land Surveyors United website. And that's an association that people, there's just so many questions in surveying, right? And there's so many challenges. And one person is going through a challenge that someone's already solved. So if you can connect those two people and they can share something with each other that's mutually beneficial, right? Um, and I think that's a big part of it, right? Is that we're not always expecting something in return. There's in a mentorship, it's kind of like, Hey, I'll, I'll volunteer this information. I will teach you because I know that someone taught me before and we're all paying it forward. And I've experienced that here in Bellingham with all the local surveyors being extremely generous with their time and helping me at a competing organization. Right. Um, and yet they still entertain my phone calls and my emails when I was like, talk to me about title datums. How do I convert title datums? You know, please someone explain this to me because I want to go up the title bar, but I'm dropping my elevations and it's counterintuitive and it's kind of tricky. And there's nowhere in any book is it written. And so, you know, I call up Tom and I say, Tom, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can we meet? Can you go over title datums with me? And and he does. So I think naturally the associations will always exist. It's just a matter of how they exist. Mm -hmm. Is it in person or is it digitally? And I think both are valid because we just had a Zoom meeting with this with the state board and it was great. You know, uh, we still got to meet and it was successful, but it didn't have the same feeling. You know, I, I didn't get to see Ben Peterson in the room and talk to him over a cup of coffee to the side. Um, and, you know, you, you are hearing more about that right now in the news, right? It's just like, yes, this is good. We're capable of being productive digitally, but we're, it's not authentic or it's not the real connection that we are used to and that we are, you know, uh, created for. And so I think that surveyors love to get together and just share their stories in person. And so the association is important because it's a vehicle and it's a, it's a very real resource for surveyors to make sure that their interests are being heard and protected. And it's, it's organized. It's a, it's a organized, uh, effort. <clears throat> and so um, I think what's also beneficial of it is just the the sitting around the table, right? And it's talking. And that's not always something that people do, not even in a company, not even in at their own family dinner table. And so when people sit around a table and they're kind of prompted to speak or share their opinion and their point of view. I think that's a really healthy human exercise that is lost. Those opportunities are lost almost daily, right? And so um, I think it's important for people to have a voice. And if, if, if they're thinking something, they, they, they should really share it because someone else is thinking the same thing. And I've found myself sitting in those meetings uh, at the chapter level and at the state level, thinking about something that I should share or say. And when I don't, I kick myself after the fact, right? Because I, I trust my judgment and 
I, I think that I'm, I can recognize something that might be of value to mention to the group just to say it because I haven't heard it said yet. Right. Um, and so I, one of the things I really like about the association is the act of group decision-making. I love the voting. I love putting topics to the table and discussing them. And I, I like the formal Robert's rules of order and, and how that can facilitate group decision-making. And so if it's, it has helped me in business, right? Because I, I can take that process from the association meetings and apply it to our business. And I could apply it to anything just, but it, it takes exercise and it takes a familiarity with the process and how, how do you allow that process to take place with a group of people trying to make uh, an informed decision about something to improve how their life is. Right. Yeah. And that's a great perspective actually um, in terms of that, that benefit you're talking about. I and mean, we, we just like you guys, we did a, um, I don't remember the platform we use necessarily, but for our board meeting, for our spring board meeting, you know, typically we're going to be in the spring meeting somewhere here in the D.C. area and going down on the hill. And that's all great. It's part of that interaction you're talking about where you really build those strong relationships. Of course, we couldn't do that this time. And we didn't even have we could have done it where we had everybody's screen up. But then you couldn't have seen any documents that we were looking at because we, we know with 60 or 70 people, you fill up the whole screen with people. Uh, yeah. So but still, it, you're right. We could do it and we did it and it worked. But it's not the same. And uh, so I, I, I appreciate your perspective on that, uh, because I'm totally on board with your with your thought process. I've always been one of those. Uh, people refer to people like you and me, I guess, as people, people, we, we really like that interaction with other people and being able to have that direct contact. And I think that's just so important in anything you're doing, whether it's family or business or association, it's, it's critical to everything. And, and the internet has allowed that to happen virtually. And that's a great thing too. But like you were saying, I'd hate to see that just become the way it is and you don't do any of that interpersonal stuff face to face. I, that would be a loss, I think, for in any case, but certainly for surveying. I agree. And sometimes it's good to change your space, yeah. you know, get out, get out of your town. And, you know, we have meetings across the state, you know, in uh, in Wenatchee or uh, Vancouver, Washington. And when you do that, anytime you travel outside of your your typical routine area, just changing a space, a location can help change your perspective, right? You go to the eastern side of the state and where half of the, or, you know, some of the surveyors work. Well, now you might kind of see their perspective on some things, right? Or you might hear their perspective a little bit differently when you're in their area of the state. So I think that change, that changing and that traveling out of your space into someone else's space is a healthy perspective exercise also that you yeah. can't really get, get from a Zoom meeting. Exactly. Yeah. Well, 
I'm not really sure how much we have recorded because we had our, our blip. So, um, but I, if you're if you're amenable to it, I think there's a lot more to talk about at, that I'd enjoy a conversation with you, or maybe even have you have a conversation with one of our one of our NSPS officers or something at some point in for this platform for the for the podcast. Um, and and would encourage anybody who's going to be listening to this uh, to be part of that, become part of that conversation, whether it's in a local group or whether it's having a podcast like we're doing now. Uh, it's just so important for that to occur for all of us, just for our growth and our our sanity, really, in a lot of ways, to be talking to other people that are in our same arena, so to speak, but not necessarily doing exactly what we do. Um, and, and I think that's a, a big, big step forward. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with me today. Um, I know that it's been a long day for you, so, uh, but it, it's good to have the time where we could sit and have this conversation without any deadlines that we have to rush off to. So thanks for taking Agreed. your time and I guess, you do have a deadline. You do need to go home sometime tonight. So <laughs> I, I do. I told my wife I'd help her in the backyard at 630. So I'm a little late, but she, I'm sure she expects it. Um, and one more thing I'll say just about the associations that I think is um, kind of the same about just surveying mentorship is that even if you get in a leadership position in a chapter, there's still going to be those surveyors in that room that are going to help you in that position. So they'll, they'll just go from mentoring you on surveying to mentoring you on how to do the secretarial duties of your chapter. How do you be the treasurer or the trustee and the president? And they get it. You're not a professional Robert's Rules of Order parliamentarian, right? I mean, that unless you are, then you should probably already be in that leadership position. <laughs> but uh that was a growth opportunity for me that I saw. I said, I don't know. I've never done that before. Sure. I'll try it. I'll, I'll, I'll help. I'll, what that means is that I'll be at every meeting and these meetings are good because I get to continue to socialize with everyone and, and see the presentations and the programs. And then secondly, I was just curious and interested to see what did the secretary do? What does the treasurer do or the trustee do and the president? And, every position that I've been in, I've just continued to learn more about surveying. And so if you like surveying and you want to learn more about it, join uh, an association, become involved in your chapter, because you can't help but learn about surveying because you're constantly exposed to it. And it's just a different form of learning, right? It's, it's not on the job. It's not in the book. It's around the table with other surveyors talking about common challenges. And you're almost on the you're on the forefront of some of those changes, right? So you're at the table talking about the the datum change. You're at the table talking about uh, new WACs or RCWs and the the state codes being changed and laws. And so either you're hearing it from someone else, or you're at the table hearing it for the first time. And I think those positions are so valuable at being informed. And so it's just, it's very beneficial 
being involved in the in those leadership positions and they do challenge yourself in ways that you wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity to challenge yourself and so that's what i also really appreciate about it um and everyone's been very supportive of my journey through those positions and i don't claim to be an expert at robert's rules of order yet <laughs> but uh, I know I'll I'll have to get the hang of it here pretty soon, um, and uh, but even then, you know, we're we all are just here trying to do the best we can, and uh, and make sure everyone's voices are being heard, and um, you know, just making sure surveying is uh, staying relevant and and valued and recognized for the support that we provide our society um and so I, I think that's all i have to say about that very true well again thanks for being with me have a great evening and uh i'm not tim will probably work this thing up we'll i will get it up posted up relatively soon and uh so again thanks so much and i look forward to actually shaking your hand a different way when we see each other that sounds good, Kurt. I look forward to it. And thank you for having me on again. Uh, that was my first podcast. So uh, hopefully uh, everyone takes it easy on me. Yeah, well, now you're a pro, so you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks again thank you, so sir. much. Take care. Yeah, of course. Care. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Future Focus and Kurt's interview with Chris Jepson here on the Surveyor Says podcast. We would like to thank him for sharing his passion for promoting not only the profession, but also paying it forward by mentoring young surveyors. Upcoming episodes will include discussions on technologies, including UAVs, and progress on pushing back on Legato. Also, we will have more interviews with young surveyors, surveying educators, and stories from the road on how the profession is coping with COVID-19. So, remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And watch our website, nsps.us.com, for information on future episodes. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.